Let us open our Bibles now to our scripture reading. Let's go to the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. And may I request everyone to please stand as I read God's holy word from the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading from His Holy Word. Please take your seats. So once again, good morning and welcome to our week number one of 40 Days of Hope. The title of our message today, Hope for Heaven. Hope for Heaven. In this 40 Days of Hope, we are going to study how hope can help us in the various areas of our lives and in our community. So we are going to talk about hope for our neighbors, hope for our marriage, hope for the church, hope for our nation. And the first hope that we have to focus is hope for heaven because this is where everything else starts. When we have hope of heaven, remember I told you a while ago, when Christians are looking forward to heaven, it changes the way we take things here on earth. See? Even if the world seems so dark, but if our view, if, if, if we are excited, if we have a goal, if we have a direction to go, then it changes the way we live each day. And that's what hope is all about. Now, let me start with this. In the classic cartoon comic, Peanuts, Charlie Brown came to Lucy sad and looking hopeless. And so Lucy, who is always excited to give her opinion, you know, asked, discourage again, Charlie Brown? And down, the downcast boy didn't even bother to answer. So Lucy offered her seven-cent opinion. You know what your trouble is? The whole trouble with you is that you are you. <laughs> and that's the problem with all of us, isn't it? According to Dr. David Jeremiah, our problems are inside us with our attitudes, perspective, and disposition. We battle the downward gravity of sin and sorrow and we sometimes feel hopeless. 
And that is why it's important that in order for us to live in this world successful, we have to have a view of heaven in mind. Because hopelessness starts with how we view things. Sometimes the situation is not hopeless, but we think we are hopeless. So it starts with us. And so that is why the gospel is presented to us personally. All right? There is the reason why we got saved. God did not take us immediately. I mean, God could have just taken us to heaven the moment we got saved. But why not? Why allow us to live here and experience all the trials and testings of life? Why? Because God wants us to see hope here so that we can better appreciate our heavenly home. So, our study of hope brings us to 1 Peter. You know, 1 Peter is really a book of hope. Why? Because even as you start reading the first chapter, you already find that these readers, the original audience of St. Peter, were crushed by so much troubles and sufferings. And you will find in this book, you know, the word suffering, trials, the word even suffering appears 17 times. And, and the other words such as grief, testing, beaten, reproach, and words alike, they're all rampant in this, in this book. So really, it's the book of hope. When you go through, when we go through painful situations in life, just like this pandemic that we are in, it's a nice book to visit. A nice book for us to refresh ourselves, the reason why God has allowed testings in life, so that we can truly apply hope. Even as we open the first few verses, we already and immediately receive and welcome this wonderful passage with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Notice there, we've, we've, we've talked about being born again recently. We, we are born again not because of our decision, not because of something we do, but it is something done to us. It is by His mercy that God has give us, given us a new birth, being born again. And take note, to what? Born again to what? That's the point, right? You are not just born again. You're born again to something. And notice what Peter says. You are born again to a living hope. You see? That's what set us apart from the rest of humanity in the world. We are born again, not just for heaven, but we are born again here on earth to a living hope. Not just any hope, living hope. The opposite of a dead hope. It's a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the key words is living hope. You know, living hope, that's the message of, of Peter. That's the most important thing. That's what guides us. That's what keeps us strong. That's what keeps us steady in this shaky world. 
when we have a living hope, and that living hope hinges on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, have you seen a brilliant column of sun rays in the midst of a dark cloud like this? It's so nice, right? Sometimes when we are traveling by boat and we see, you know, there's a dark cloud, but suddenly there's, there's just a spot where the, the rays of the sun beams over. It's so nice, friends. That's the picture of living hope. It's like we are in the midst of darkness and suddenly there's that beam of light shining from heaven. That's what Peter is saying. Life in this world can be dark. Life in this world can be so turbulent. Storms are there. But then there's that living hope that Christians experience day by day. Here's another you know, very nice picture this was taken somewhere in Italy and notice there that you know the, the sunbeam the, the sun rays you know it reflects the cross and so they they call it you know the the cross in the sky. It's a wonderful and and this is a wonderful image of a reality that we all experience that in the midst of the darkness of our world today in the midst of threats in the midst of chaos, there is a beam of hope shining in every Christian because we have Jesus Christ, right? And, and what we're going to study this morning are four characteristics of our living hope. Four characteristics of our living hope. We must understand this living hope. If this is so crucial for every Christian, we better know what Peter is encouraging the Christians who have gone through so many problems in life. Four characteristics of a living hope. So are you ready? Okay, let's begin with the first one. Our living hope is a person. When we talk about living hope in the Bible, it's a person. It's in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. The overarching truth in this book of 1 Peter is that a person can experience living hope in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no living hope if a person is not saved. There is no living hope of heaven if you don't have Jesus Christ here on earth. That's the beginning of this letter. Blessed be the name of our Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope and take note through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's one person among the disciples that really knows Jesus Christ so much, whether high tide or low tides of life, it was Peter. Peter was there almost every you know, area of Christ's life, every experience, even the worst. And Peter himself denied the Lord three times. And so we can relate with Peter. Peter was with the Lord, you know, during all the miracles and even when there were only very few who saw Jesus Christ during his transfiguration. Peter had those wonderful experiences. And also Peter denied him. Peter experienced the lowest point of his spiritual life, but then Jesus Christ ushered him back. 
And so if there's one person who could tell us about our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately through ups and downs of life, it's St. Peter. And here we have Peter telling us, I've experienced it myself. I've gone through the darkness part of my spiritual journey. I've denied my Lord. But Jesus Christ continued to love Peter. And you, find, you will find that in, in John chapter 21. Remember when Peter was reinstituted by our Lord and, and God, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Imagine three times. Lord, do you know that I love you? See? And, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ brought a tremendous change in the life of Peter. Remember, Peter is the impulsive guy. He's the one who denied our Lord. But you know what happened after the resurrection of our Lord? Peter was the first one to preach a sermon with 3,000 conversions. As I have said today, pastors sometimes have to preach 3,000 sermons and get one conversion. <laughs> but for Peter, he preached that first sermon empowered by the resurrected Lord. 3,000 were added to the church that day. So for Peter, it was the resurrection that made all the difference in, in, in his life. And so when he, was, he, when he was convinced by the Holy Spirit to write a letter, an epistle to this you know, storm-infected believers scattered throughout all the Roman Empire, it was the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that Peter, you know, found as the foundation of our hope. Because Jesus Christ lived, we too shall live. It was the resurrection of Christ. Why? Jesus experienced the worst enemy of mankind, which is death. He experienced the worst nightmare, the darkest of all darkness in the world. Yet Jesus Christ proved himself to be victorious. Amen? He rose from the grave. He conquered death. He, you know, even to the point of, of in, in our, uh, remember the, the Apostles' Creed? In, there's a portion there in the Apostles' Creed that is even very controversial. He went to hell. There's a portion there that says he went to hell. But you know what? He did not remain there. He conquered hell. He destroyed the power of hell when he rose from the grave. And because of that, friends, Jesus said, because I live, you too will live. And friends, he is not just talking here of living in eternity. Well, that's our ultimate destination. But when Jesus Christ said, because I live, he's talking about our life today. Jesus is saying, you can have hope, you can have meaning and purpose, you can survive any storm of this life today because I've been there. I conquered it for you, and because I survived, you too will survive. That gives us hope. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ now, you better have one. Embrace yourself because there's going to be storms in life. You need Jesus Christ. He is the main feature of Christianity. His resurrection makes all the difference. 
Because when, when we have a relationship with Christ who has gone through death and experienced the grave, friends, we can surpass any grave. We can surpass any storm because He is the God who commands the storm. Amen? He's the God even that the grave could not hold because He's amazing. And friends, if He is your Savior and He is your Lord, then you have a very hopeful life. Amen? Now, the second characteristic of our living hope is that our living hope is permanent. See, it's permanent. Our hope has no expiration date. It has no shelf life. <laughs> it's eternal. Why is this important? Because others, other people in the world, we cling on to some hopes. But these hopes are what? These hopes are temporary. You see, you're hoping for something. It will come, but it will not last forever. But Peter says, our living hope is permanent. Look at this in verse 4. He has given us a, to be born again through our Lord Jesus Christ to a living hope. Take note, to an inheritance. Right? So he has... By the mercy of God, He has caused us to be born again, you know, to a living hope. And, and somehow, Peter explains in verse 4, that living hope is actually what? An inheritance. See? That's the word. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Right? So what do we mean by inheritance? It's an important word. The Greek word is kleronomia. Kleronomia. It's, it's more than just a title or a deed. It means, it means a promise. You know, it means a realized inheritance that is already yours. It's not an inheritance that has a condition. You know, our inheritance, we only receive it when our parents die, right? <laughs> it's not even right to ask for your inheritance when your parents are still alive. But it's different with kleronomia. You know why? Because that inheritance is yours and mine today. In fact, in, in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, God has given us what? And, uh, and earnest, remember, the Holy Spirit is our in inheritance. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. That if you have the Holy Spirit, if I have the Holy Spirit, we do have the Holy Spirit when we got born again. We have, the, we have what? The, the guarantee. The Greek word there is the arabon. The guarantee, the earnest money. Right? That, that you and I, we have an inheritance in heaven. So friends, the inheritance of a Christian is not here on earth. It's in heaven. It's very clear. Kept in heaven. Take note. For you. See? That makes all the difference. Because when we live our lives here, even though we may experience trials of many kinds, when you know that you have an inheritance you can always say, oh, there's, that's nothing compared to the glory that I will have, right? 
we always make it as what? As our basis for comparison, okay? Satan, you can hurl all kinds of testings. You can hurl all kinds of sufferings at me. But the Bible says, our sufferings here on earth is nothing compared to the glory that we have in heaven. That gives us hope. That's our permanent hope in heaven. Now, now Peter provides us three words that describes our permanent hope in heaven. Notice the first word, imperishable. You know, this tells us that it's really permanent. Notice the words he used, imperishable. The inheritance is not subject to passing away nor liable to decay. That's the word. The word was used in a secular Greek of something that was unravaged by an invading army. It's, you know, it's, it's talking about a situation that even an invading army could not subdue. That's the word in the secular use of the word, right? So it's something that not even our enemy, the battalion of demons, could not even, you know, ravage. It's imperishable. The second word, undefiled. The word means unpolluted, unstained with evil. So our undefiled inheritance is what? It's pure. See? It's perfect. That speaks of our permanent hope in heaven. Right? So even if, if our life today can be strained by so much pain, and trials, you know that you have an undefiled inheritance in heaven. And the third word is unfading, right? In the Bible, it is often used of what? You know, the Bible always says that life in this world is like the, the grass and the flowers. They wither and they fade away. But this one is what? Unfading, the Christian has no decaying element in heaven. And that is why our hope is living because it is what? It is permanent. Friends, our hope is as permanent as our, as our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because He is our hope. Everything that our life today is founded upon the permanence of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? You and I may not have so much in our present situation, but Peter wants us to understand that every Christian is so rich. Amen? We are so rich. So in, that's why in, 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 in the book of Psalm, you know, God tells David you know, not to be envious of the wealth of the unbelievers. See? It's, it's wrong. Listen, Christians, you know, I know what it is to be, to be having, you know, to experience hard times financially. And it's easy for us to look at people, to look at unbelievers, and, you know, be envious. Lord? Have you experienced that? I mean, you know, have you experienced that when you say, Lord, anak, Lord, anak, manda ko sa king? Anong, I don't feel like a princess or a prince. And then when you look at movies, we look at you, when you, you look at the lives of these celebrities and you look at the lives of these royalties, and they, but you just envy them. Yeah, sometimes, but you know what? It's wrong to do that. 
Again, it's a matter of perspective because you know how much you have. Amen? You have so much. Everything that belongs to the Son belongs to us because we are called co-heirs with Jesus. Amen? Jesus owns everything. He's the Son of God. And friends, the Bible says, you are a co-heir of Christ. You just don't know how rich you are, how rich we are in Jesus Christ. And our riches is permanent. The riches of this world is not. You know, at one click and everything can be gone. But not your inheritance and mine. They are imperishable. They are undefiled. And they are unfading. Amen? According to David Jeremiah, only as you get your anchor fixed in eternity can you find stability for life every day. Isn't that true? When our hope is anchored to eternity, then we can go through all the, you know, the, the trials, all the turns and twists of life. Because we are fixed in heaven. Number three, our living hope is preserved. Our living hope is preserved. This gets better and better, brethren. Look at this. Look at the next verse. Verse four and five. It's reserved in heaven for you. That's very important. That's really, that's that, that phrase is really emphatic in Greek. For you. All right? And notice this. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Take note of the words reserved in heaven, protected by the power of God. Now, we need to look at heaven. You know? We need to have a vision of heaven every day. See? We need to have that kind of of anxious waiting. It's not that you want to die. That's not the point, no? It's not in a fatalistic way. You know, you look at, always look at heaven, no, that's not the point. You know? The point is, okay, let me give you an example, no? It's like this. It's like when you go to a place, you know, and then you're stranded there for several days or even months, and life there is nothing compared to your home. And you're always anxious and you're always waiting. Oh, three days na lang, makauli na ko, di ba? Have you, have, you, have you felt that? Friends, that's how God wants us to feel in this life. We should not get so comfortable in this life because there is something preserved in heaven for you and me. We need to look we need to be anxious to see it. It's not that, again, that you want to die, but the point is that your, your desire, your hopes for heaven affects every day's life. So that when you look at your problems today, you can just, ah, just, it's nothing. Heaven is better. Somebody said, you know, I, I think he's one of our my Bible study Members, he says the problem with Christians today is this, and, and I agree with him, and he's planning to write a book about heaven. He says the problem with Christians today is this we have forgotten about heaven. We have lived our lives 
too much attached to this earth that even our hopes are earthly. You know, even we hope for what? A hope, an earthly house, an earthly mansion. All our hopes are here. And that's the problem. And the devil is enjoying it. And the devil doesn't want us to think of heaven. That's why he offers so many wonderful things in this earth. Because he just wants, you know, Christians, just enjoy this earth. Don't think of heaven. Because he knows that when Christians are, are looking at heaven, we're hoping at heaven, he knows that we're going to live victorious here on earth. So that's why our hope is really preserved. It says there, look at this, the faith and the love that springs from hope stored up for you in heaven, according to Paul in Colossians. Our faith and love today, notice this, our Christian life today is what? It's just springing from what? Our hope stored up in heaven. See? That's why it's important for Christians to really, really hope for heaven. We always, you know, get so anxious of heaven and be excited of heaven. Why? Because that's where our hope and love in our daily lives you know, is being sourced. Our hope of heaven. Now again, take note of the words reserve and protected. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, reserve in heaven for you. Take note who are protected by the power of God. In the New King James Version, it says, reserve in heaven, but then you are kept by the power. Take, I'm, I'm just... I just want you to see the whole perspective of the words. It means kept, protected. Okay, the ESV says guarded through faith. So notice the word protected, kept, guarded. In the NIV, it's, it means shielded by God's power. Now what's the point here, brethren? Okay, here's the point. Here's the point. Not only do we have a permanent inheritance in heaven that is reserved and preserved, but we, the Christians, are protected for heaven. You get the verse? The inheritance is reserved, but take note the word shielded, guarded, kept. That's not talking about the inheritance. <laughs> it's talking about you and me. Notice, who through faith are shielded. So friends, our hope is this. Our inheritance is permanent in heaven, but we, our lives, we are guarded, we are shielded, we are kept for heaven. That's our hope. That's why you don't give in and you don't give up because you have that hope that I'm protected by the power of God. I am shielded. I am guarded. That keeps us moving. See? That keeps us away from from, from the temptations of the devil that tells us, you know what, you're a loser. You know what, you, you know, you can handle this, this situation in life. No. No, Satan. <laughs> because my life, I am kept, I am shielded, I am protected by no less than the power of God. That's what the Bible says. Find hope in that, brethren. You are shielded, guarded, kept, by the power of God through your faith. And, and that salvation, which is already ours today, 
it will be revealed. The word revealed there has something to do with what? It, it will have its consummation at the last time. What is that last time? When Christ comes. Amen? That's, that's the finale. Right? So Christians should be waiting. Friends, that's, that's why in Titus, Paul calls it what? The blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's also called the blessed hope. Why? Because at that time, it's the culmination of everything. You know? It's the fullness of our glory. And it's wonderful. Amen? And that is why, what should we do now with heaven in mind? That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 to 4, since then you have been raised with Christ. Notice this. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, not or seated at the right hand of God. We are to set our hearts. Meaning to say our desires. Verse 2 says, set your minds on things above and take note, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, take note, you will also appear with Him in glory. So according to Dr. Warren Wiersbe, our feet must be on earth but our minds must be in heaven. <laughs> Amen? That's what Paul is saying. We have, to be, we have to be living, you know, we have to be practically living Christianity here on earth, but take note, our minds and our hearts are heaven. And so when, when your friends, when your non-Christian friends ask you, you know, how, why is it that you have that kind of a disposition in life? Why are you acting that way? Why are you not troubled by these things in the world today, even by COVID? And you know the answer. Because I have heaven in mind. <laughs> Amen? I have heaven in mind, and that changes the way I live. I ought to be the most hopeful person in this world. Why? Because I'm bound for glory. Are you bound for glory, brethren? Make that difference in the world today. And finally, number four, our living hope is present. Our living hope is present. You see? It's not just permanent. It's not just a preserve in heaven. Okay, because if we don't have number four, people will say, oh, you are only good for heaven. You are no good here on earth. <laughs> you see? Some people are like that. They're, they're, it's, it's the opposite. They're, they're always focused on heaven. They're always talking about the tribulation. They're always talking about the second coming. But then they're doing nothing now. They're only good for heaven. So, Christians are not like that. <laughs> you have to have a balanced life, diba? Right? Again, there are Christians that they do nothing here on earth except criticize unbelievers. And so they are not useful here on earth, but that's not what hope is all about. Hope is also about the present life. Notice verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly re rejoice, though now. See that? So this is now the point why Peter is saying, you know what? Our hope is a living hope. It's in heaven. It's reserved. It's permanent. What's the goal? So that we do nothing? No. No so that we can do something now. 
See? In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, take note. That's why I use the King James Version because that phrase there sometimes is lost in the modern translations. If need be, or in, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what, what Peter is saying here, brethren? Peter is saying that our life in this world can be tough. It's, it, can be, it can be like a refining fire. But because our minds are in heaven, we can look at it differently. We can rejoice. That's why you rejoice now. And, and there are three things, there are three facts that Peter wants us to know about trials. And this is just a review. I've taught this already, maybe last year, I don't know. But this is just a review. Peter tells us three things about trials. Number one, trials are passing. Trials are passing. When you go through trials today in your present life, don't fret. You know, don't try to kill yourself as if it's the end of the world because the Bible says it's only for a little while. <laughs> See, that's the promise. It's only for a little while. It's passing. Number two, trials are purposeful. And that's where we have the phrase, if need be. See? If necessary. See? You know, you know what, what that phrase means? It means that every trial that a Christian goes through has a divine purpose. It has a divine purpose. That's why Peter says you rejoice in it. Because when, when God allows you through pain, when God allows a tragedy in your life, when God allows a loss in your life, it's not to harm you. It's to purify you. It is to remove the drosses in your life. And, and yesterday in our, in our Vines Bible study, you know, one, one of our members there who is having, you know, really a problem right now, his, his son is in the hospital, you know, the mother of, of Adrian. And, you know, her, her father-in-law also is, is having a critical condition in the same hospital. Can you imagine this? Your son and your your, your father-in-law are both in the critical condition. But you know what? In our Bible study, there was no sadness in her. There was just peace and strength. And she said, and, and I would quote her, Pastor, you know what? God allows these things to purify our faith. It's only when you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ that you can say those words. See? Because you understand that God is not a sadistic God. Our God is not a sadist God that He enjoys seeing His children suffering. No. As I've told you, God sympathizes with our pain. And, and when Jesus Christ was, was suffering on the cross, the Father was crushed in heaven. But the Father says, My son, I'm hurt. I'm so crushed with what you do. But you know what? There's a purpose to your suffering. The same thing with us. God has a good purpose and sometimes we may not understand it now, 
But definitely the Bible says, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. There's a purpose to everything. Look at this. In, in, in verses in the New Living Translation, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must, see that? Endure many trials for a little while. You must, see? There's the purpose. And, and that gives us confidence also because trials are not outside the control of God. Amen? He knows. He knows when we go through pain. And number three, trials are productive. Trials are productive. Notice the result when we go through trials, brethren. These have come, I notice the phrase, so that. You know, I love the so that. You know, when, when, whenever we read a verse in the Bible and it's quite long, and then you wait for that so that phrase. Why? Because that tells you the result. <laughs> Why God allows all these things? So that, look at this. So that the proven genuineness of your faith, ah, so the reason why I have to go through pain in this world, because God is strengthening my faith. God is trying to prove the genuineness of my faith. See? God is purifying my faith. God is promoting my faith. God is producing my faith. And it will result to what? It may result to what? Praise, glory, Honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Isn't that amazing, brethren? Isn't that amazing that all the pain, all the trials that we go through in life, they will all result to what? Praise after praise after praise. So that means the more sufferings we experience as Christians, it means more praises and glory from God. See? So even if the devil causes all these bad things to happen in your life, God will always turn it around for our good. That's how amazing our God is. See? Wagi mahimo si Satan. You see? Bisa kung sapay buhato ni Satan nga mo, mayon yun na si God. Checkmate. Because God has always a way of turning things around for His glory and for our good. And that's why we need to hope in the Lord. And as I close, let me just close with, with Dr. David Jeremiah's quote. The hope of heaven gives us strength for the temporary sufferings of this present life. And the help we receive from heaven keeps us going through the valleys. I like that. It keeps us going through the valleys and friends, when you go through a valley, you know that a valley is always followed not by another valley. It is always followed by a mountaintop experience. Expect the mountaintop experience. Amen? Now, let me end with, with this story of Bill and Gloria Gator. You know, you know the song, Because He Lives? And by the way, we will be singing that. Sometimes we think that this song is only for Easter Sunday. No. <laughs> Who says it's wrong to sing because he lives on Easter? You know, man, sa Easter Sunday alive si Jesus. You know the story? They wrote this song during, you know, the 1970s, you know, fall of 1969. There was turmoil in America. There was so much problem. But most importantly, there was a problem with 
her pregnancy. They were told by the doctor that she may not make it. There were some defects. And so they were so sad. No? They were so sad that, you know, they could not have this baby. And so what they did, they prayed and prayed. They hoped that God has better plans for their baby and for their family. And, and so after nine months, you know what happened? That baby came. <laughs> All right? And that gave them the inspiration to write this hymn. That's why you have this in that line. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because he lives. See? Because that baby was born on, you know, at the time of Easter. <laughs> So that's why when we sing the song, we, we notice mga ano mang sa may point anang na baby anang song. Wajim mo kaon na ona? Nanong naman ay part nga how sweet to hold a newborn baby because they wrote wrote this song when they were hoping for a child and God gave them that child and that child was perfect and so that child became an inspiration. The Lord, because you live, this baby can face uncertain days ahead. Because he lives, what? We can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Our hope for today hinges on the resurrection of our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give back all glory and honor and praise to you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can face all our tomorrows. We can face all our trials and testings in life because Jesus Christ has given us himself and above all, he has given us the living hope for heaven. We can face tomorrow because we have heaven in mind today. In Jesus' name, amen.